Hello and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Prod Squad podcast. Nick Cook here, joined as always by my co-host Brendan Colleton. Brendan, what's going on? Nick, nice to nice to meet you. Oh, I mean, see you again. It's been a little while. <laughs> it's been a bit. We got really excited about our comeback, and then we went away again. Um, what's new in between the the last time what? we recorded? Well, it's new with me. I mean, you're out in, in Pittsburgh now. So I feel like last time the excuse was the baby. This time the excuse can be that you moved. I don't know how far away Pittsburgh is across the country. I think of it as the Midwest. So that's in my mind, like a quarter. Is that far? Is that how far you went? A quarter way across the country? So let me, a couple things on this. Yeah, I moved <laughs> to Pittsburgh. Um, that was my excuse <laughs> for being busy. I just need to stop having large life events. That would be, that's what I'd like. Um it is infinitely far when you have a nine-month-old. The, <laughs> the miles do not reflect the distance traveled, the emotional distance traveled. Um, and uh, yeah, it turns out Pittsburgh's the Midwest. Turns out Pennsylvania, a person who's not, you were much more familiar with Pennsylvania based on where you went to college um, but uh, and lived. But, I was familiar uh, with Philadelphia, but Pittsburgh... I, I had to drive once that way. It's like, there's like a nine or 10 hour drive to get across Pennsylvania. And I do not know Pennsylvania. I, okay. I know Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair. So yes, I, uh, was similarly shocked to find out that, um, my friends who I was excited, uh, because they live in Philadelphia and I said, I'm coming to Pennsylvania. And they said, you're no closer than you are now. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> I live in New England. You get through three states in five hours. Um, so yeah, we did a lovely uh, early morning. I think we did 3.30 a.m. to 6.30 a.m. We did. We broke it up in two legs. That was the final leg. Just driving you know, west across Pennsylvania. There's not, yeah, there's a chunk you, of there. You knew, you knew your audience and that was going to be the only time they wanted yeah. to travel <laughs> yeah. while they were unconscious. <laughs> but let me tell you, not a lot to see on that drive. <laughs> it was, uh, there was, yeah, there's some space in between Philly and Pittsburgh, but um, yeah, here settled now. So um, want to get back on the podcast game. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So, you know, today we, we had like a kind of topic that we're going to talk about or planning to talk about. But when we were building out the retro section, the fan favorite, we were like, we have to talk about X, which which is some people may know as Twitter. I know it as X, <laughs> X.com. There's just like too much going on there. We both wanted to talk about it, kind of bring a product perspective to it. So we're going to start there um, as part of the retro section that may turn into the whole episode. And we'll just kind of play it by ear. That sound good, Brendan? That sounds good. I'm going to call it Twitter throughout because I don't want to get our podcast flagged as like a, <laughs> you know, some type of you know R-rated podcast. Got to keep you... this family friendly. <laughs> I can't. I don't know what you're talking about. X.com sounds like a perfectly legitimate <laughs> website. There's where to start. Where to start? There's so much that that goes into uh, the Elon saga here. But I, I mean, I think it maybe helps to go through like a very quick timeline of events because. You know, the whole thing started, you know, Elon bids $44 billion just to outright buy Twitter, which was about, it was like 40% higher than his existing stock price. 
And then like any of us that make a big purchase in our lives, he has some buyer's remorse, like virtually yeah. immediately uh, and, you know, tries to get out of it, uh, which I just think is so relatable. Like, you know, oh, that yeah. for, first off, like it's not a, it's not a nothing purchase for him, right? Like 44 billion, like his net worth is what, like 250 billion, something, something crazy like that. Yeah. So he's still, that's a hefty chunk of change to only be left with 200 billion. Yeah. <laughs> how, how will he live? <laughs> but yeah. How's he going to? This is like, you know, you went and you bought a new car and then you're like, oh, no, I should have done. <laughs> Can I cancel the financing? Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to know how he thought about that. Like, does it hurt him in the way that, like, you know, other people go out, they buy a mortgage or they get a house and, like, that's obviously a huge purchase. And so they have anxiety about it. Like, does he feel the same about Twitter? I, I guess he did because he, he, he freaked out about it. Uh, so in any case, he ends up owning the company, promptly lays off about half the workforce. They go from Mm -hmm. like 7,400 employees to 2,300. And like basically ever since have been hemorrhaging advertising dollars, right? Like the, 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 uh, the company is estimated to make about 3 billion this year, which is uh, down from over 5 billion two years ago. And, you know, these are, these are nominal dollars, not inflation adjusted dollars. So they're doing terrible. Uh, but I do think it's worth talking about like some of the product changes that they implemented throughout. And I would just, I would love for, maybe you can do this for me, Nick, explain to me why they did some of these things. Oh. And like, let's see if we can be Elon, the product manager, because he's the product manager. Let's, let's make that straight uh, and try to understand what he was thinking here. Yeah. I- uh, what a fun challenge. I'll, I'll steal man a bunch of Elon's <laughs> decisions as we go through this. Um, I do want to say that I feel like on the real quickly on the layoff front, Twitter was kind of like, the, excuse me, X.com. I, I'm a, I respect the brand. <laughs> um, they were kind of, I feel like they were a trendsetter in this, right? This was kind of the beginning of, I'm not saying they were the ones that like convinced Google or anyone to do, but they were, I feel like one of the first big companies to do these massive type of layoffs. Right. Uh, I, I think these were like pre, Oh, we hired too many people yeah. because of, uh, 2020 type layoffs. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think the, these layoffs were Elon just wasn't sure what he was going to do with this many people. And he had to kind of make a splash when he first you know yeah. took over the company. Um, cause I remember like, there were things going off immediately where like their authentication broke and it turned out that they had like laid off the authentication team. So like, it's like, Oh oh, crap, nothing to do there. Uh, And so like things were going wrong virtually immediately. Uh, But I don't think this was due to like, you know, too much hiring over, over COVID type Mm -hmm. of uh, type of layoff. Right. Right. And I will say, as we segue into these product features, one, (laughs) this is funny. I'm going to be like the Elon Stan, I guess Um, I'll play that character. Um, I can't think of, I think the total amount of features that I'm aware of that Twitter released since Elon took over is greater than all the features I can think of prior to him taking over. So from a quantity perspective, there's that aspect (laughs) of it. (laughs) Yeah. You're just still sour about, uh, Twitter fleets that we talked about in our like, uh, retiring, retiring feature episode. Bring it back. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's 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 see how much credit we can actually give him. Uh, so I think the first one we can talk about is uh, the for you tab, which mm-hmm. uh, I and 
I actually, so I was a Twitter user. I got off Twitter. I still visited all of like the people that I followed web pages to like see what they were up to back when it was still, I was able to do that. Now I'm no longer able to do mm -hmm. that. Um, but I missed this update, the for you tab. Um, so I've, I've read about it, but it seems like you maybe have a little bit more experience. You want to tell us what it was? Yes. And real quick, I think that you just brought up a good point. I was going to ask what we should define what our relationship is or was with Twitter as like users. So I think you were, you used it pretty frequently, right? Yeah. For a while? This was like, I was, I was off Facebook pretty quick. I was never really into like even Instagram or TikTok or anything like that. Like Twitter was what I wasted all my time on, on my phone. Uh, that was like my effective social media addiction was just Twitter. Like that was what I, I by far was most into as a social media app. Uh, and I'm, proud to say now that I have been like Twitter free for uh, basically as long as Elon's owned the company, effectively <laughs> just that long. You got off the X. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay. Yeah. And for, for me, I've always been, it's always been like my third or fourth social app. Like I, you know, I burned through my Instagram. I checked Reddit. Maybe now I'm, I'm popping Twitter open. So um, I've always, I've never had like a, yeah, kind of on again, off again, but always installed on the phone, I guess. Um, never an active, I, I should, I think this is true for you, but never an active poster, tweeter. Uh, no. Yeah. No, I think I had a couple like first tweets back in like 2013. Oh, yeah. I was on it pretty early uh, and that fell off pretty quickly, mostly just to follow, you know, some of my favorite journalists, some of my favorite uh, sports reporters, things like that, that I really uh, appreciated and did find it a very valuable place to be like, where am I going to get the rest of my news from? And it would, you know, branch off of my Twitter timeline. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So going back to the for you tab, um, I think this was a pretty contentious decision when they decided to default to this new tab. So the traditional Twitter experience that everyone thinks of, or at least I do, is you have a timeline, you follow people, you are presented a timeline in chronological order of the posts by the people that you follow right um that's i think now called home they introduced for you which is the same name as um the tiktok tab the for you tab and it's basically a algorithmically generated timeline of posts not necessarily in chronological order but based on your like your interest you're going to see some of the people you follow, they have more frequency there, but you're also going to see people you don't follow, right? It's going to use sort of the social graph to determine other people you might like, things that you've liked, retweeted, all that. Um, and I do, I actually think this is fascinating because there's this, um, this like idea of like, just like the no kind of onboarding experience or just like the don't make me think that this, and and this is to tie it into to TikTok real quick this is the which i've since deleted from my phone but that was the one thing that impressed me the most congratulations that we, where was this where we were talking about what's changed with the link <laughs> yeah. congratulations so I got, nick i got off TikTok and started using instagram reels because um they're just so much worse i can't use them for that long <laughs> so i just i'm like oh these are terrible and then i turn it off but thank you um so I was going to say, I think my experience with this type of like for you tab, right? This like 
it just whatever's popular, what we think you're going to like kind of thing is the Instagram reels. Cause like every once in a while I will find that like I've gotten to the end of the people that I know on Instagram that have posted videos. Mm -hmm. uh, and suddenly I'll be lost in this like GIF after GIF of like uh, puppies and people working on their house. And then like people who make food that looks really good. And I'll be like, where the heck is this coming from? And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I realized <laughs> I'm, I'm like, in the depth of Instagram reels and I don't know how I got there. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I totally, I totally get what they were after here. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's something so powerful in the like, don't make me think, don't make me do setup. Like I don't want to curate this feed. I just want to consume basically. Right. And I always thought that was the most impressive thing of TikTok. I opened the app and on day one, worked it served me a video i either like dismissed it really quickly or watched it and it used that little bit of data to serve me the next video i don't think twitter's version of that is as good but i i actually think that's a, a really smart plan i think if you were a any social media app especially one a new one trying to emerge in 2023 i think that's a must-have you can't ask someone to sit there and build their whole feed from scratch again it, it kind of solves the like that Facebook problem that they talk about initially where like, you know, initially Zuckerberg was like, we got to get people to what their first five friends. And if they got to their first five friends, they were going to stick around for, you know, however long compared to people that never got to five friends. And it was all about populating that initial content for them. And I think this is just like a much accelerated version of that, right? Like if I can find one single thing about you, I can populate a feed that, you know, we know is going mm -hmm. to engage you. Uh, and yeah, it is, it is like scary how good those things are at like grabbing your attention. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think, and the last thing I'll add on this is I do still think there's a place for both. Cause the thing I have realized is there are instances where a, an event is happening. Typically it's sports, you know, for me and you want, the chronological order you want the reactions of the people that you are following at the moment in order right reacting to the thing in real time so here's my question though right so what made twitter like is it was it virtually a one-to-one -one competition like we're just gonna take the best content on twitter and make what tiktok and instagram have for their best content but with like tweets and whatever comes with that or like, is there something about Twitter that makes it like uniquely suited for this type of feed that is not based on like who a user has followed, but instead based on just their best content? It's mm. a good question. I'm trying to think if there's something about Twitter that makes it like uniquely positioned. Because I will say like, that's, I, I don't see that because that's a hundred percent not what I use Twitter for, right? Like Twitter was where I found like the smartest and most intelligent writers and thinkers that I knew and like expose myself to their work. But like, it was usually pretty intentional me mm. going to find them. Like I, I would read an article of somebody that, that I thought like, wow, this, this guy gets it. And I'd go follow them because I'd want to see more from them. And I would let them tell me about who else to follow, right? Like if they had people that retweeted or something like that, but I can't think of a time that I like let Twitter decide who I'd follow or what content I would get. That's not what I used it for whatsoever. So I will say it has changed my behavior a little bit in that regard where, and this is another 
another whole episode on the Reddit and shutting down their API. It, Reddit lost a, a little bit of goodwill with me with the whole API. I don't know if you heard about that, but I, you know they they charge for all their APIs, and so I used a third party app to access Reddit, which went under when that happened. So I just kind of got a little disconnected from Reddit, and then actually Twitter started to fill that void with the For You tab of just like, hey, here's some content, and for me it's NBA posts, you know, game posts, like you know, it's just like. And so it's like, oh, this is kind of serving the same thing where I would open up a Reddit feed and get stuff, you know, and it, it feels a little bit of that. Obviously, you don't then get like the discussion that Reddit brings. But so it has changed my behavior a little bit where I think previously for me, I was mostly going to Twitter, honestly, around like big events where I wanted to see a bunch of live reactions. And now I use it like a little more passively. All right. All right. Uh, so next up, the big next big decision that I want to talk about that they made is uh, they introduced Twitter Blue, mm. the uh, the Twitter subscription service, uh, rumored at one point to be twenty dollars a month, <laughs> and then uh, ultimately eight dollars a month. That uh, replaced the checkmark feature that uh, you know they had traditionally used to you know give to use that were basically verified, right? Like somebody who was maybe famous or uh, a journalist, a politician, somebody that you should know, and they wanted to make sure you knew who would be, you know, who you'd actually be following. And so they had the the uh, the blue check mark. Now had been replaced by this subscribe service that anybody could use, but you did get a bunch of other benefits with. Uh, so one is, you know, you could tweet longer instead of 160 characters. You could basically tweet articles, 4,000 characters. Uh, you had different types of media you could post, right, like audio and visual uh, posts. Um, and you got higher priority, right? People could find you easier, higher priority to replies, mentions, and search. Um, and then I think lastly was sort of a revenue sharing model as well for their their content creators who were part of Twitter Blue. So I have a lot to say about Twitter Blue, but I, I'm as assuming somebody who paid the $8 a month, Nick, maybe you can tell us uh, what you got out of it. <laughs> Elon has never got a dime from me, from, from Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, I think so... The really challenging part about this initially, right, was you have this perception of what a blue check mark means. And then that's like a learned behavior. Like if I see a blue check mark, I know it's a real human, a real entity. There's only one of them, right? And then you suddenly basically open this up to anyone. And I think what you saw initially is all these parody accounts, all this you know, fake news and, and a bunch of people getting tricked, right? And and stories being written about someone who made an account with a blue check mark that looks just like the, the other one. And, you know, I think that was an initial hurdle because you have this, like, learned behavior of where my, what my mind thinks when I see a blue check mark that suddenly got ripped up. Like, honestly, if they just made it a purple check mark, which is off brand, like, but my mind would immediately be able to sort, right? Which is maybe the point that they didn't do that. Um and I guess the other thought here is I think there's been some talk around its ability to combat um, bots or better push those down because as they move towards more algorithmically generated feeds, they'll prioritize the people who are paying $8 a month to appear there. So it creates a theoretical barrier to entry, but I that sounds more... Uh, 
generous than I think it actually is. <laughs> so. Yeah, I feel like there are people like mining these bots, you know, just generating these bots, whatever the Russian companies are throwing them out there, like $8 a month and my bot gets to go to the top of everybody's reply. Yeah. That's fantastic. Like what a, what a return on investment. Uh, I will say like, this is the, this was the feature that I think really killed the use of Twitter for people <laughs> who had my use case, right? Of like, I just want to go and like find people that I think are good thinkers that are going to point me to other media that I, I want to consume because uh, so like as an, uh, after I had got off Twitter for about a year, right. I uh, at one point was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give it another shot because I was missing it. I, I wanted this like central uh, content here, but I had like actually deleted my account. So I needed to start from scratch and go through the onboarding process. And immediately upon like actually making my account, the first thing I realized is that like finding the people that I wanted to find was all of a sudden like extremely, extremely difficult. And I don't know if they had left the platform. That's definitely a possibility. But like a lot of the uh, people that I had like remembered following like we're not nearly as easy for me to connect with or there was just like so much noise when I tried to that it just didn't make it didn't make any sense. I was a user again for like three minutes and I was like, OK, forget it. Like this, I, I made the right call uh, and I was right off of it because, again, like the prioritization, like I know they, they talk about the revenue sharing, which I think is a good idea, right? Like they should give back to the people that are bringing in the content, but then when you also say like, oh, but for $8 a month, anybody can be a content creator and we'll treat you like that. I just think it immediately resulted in so much noise and maybe the noise got better, but it, the initial effect was so much noise that it was just, you know, not worth it to stick around. See, Brendan, I, I'm understanding your your fundamental problem. You try to be an intellectual on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> just be like me. Just be like a, a potato that just wants to be fed funny tweets, and it will <laughs> your life will be so much easier. <laughs> That's your real fault. This is on you, Brendan. Uh, um, but yes, very noisy, and then, and then they've tried to clean it up a little bit with, um, you know, they've introduced some other marks for like a government agency and like, you know, which and then it just feels a little cluttered. You're like a check mark with other stuff next to you, and I'm like having to learn this iconography. Um, and I feel like prior to this, they did. I know I'm supposed to be playing the role of the Elon stand, but it did feel uh, cleaner to know that you were talking to a a legitimate person or entity prior to all of this. The other thing that's crazy too with, with some of these things that you could get with blue too, is like uh, the up to 4,000 characters. And like, they also, I know they're still maybe working on Twitter notes, which is basically like blog posts. And, and Elon has said like, you can write a book on Twitter notes if you wanted to. And that's, I think it's also just somewhat confusing. Like it's just not what people think about when they think about Twitter, right? Like a, a tweet or what is it? Is it an X? I don't know. What <laughs> What's the verb? Yeah. <laughs> What's the verb? I don't know what it is. Uh, but like the concept of like short form media that you can consume quickly. And like, I'm just not sure they're ever going to really have success with like a long form media on Twitter. They just seem late to the game there in the way that like message box is doing a really good job. I think, you know, getting people to pay for long form content from people. There's, you know, Substack. all the, 
yeah, Substack, all of the, uh, you know, the big news organizations have a paid subscription model. Like I just am not sure Twitter has a road there or a path there. And it doesn't make sense for, to me that they're investing in it, but maybe Elon's got the big brain. So who am I, who am I to say? <laughs> We're just a couple guys of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the last thing I'll mention about this one is uh, there's a feature I never heard about before called TweetDeck. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even think we need to talk about what TweetDeck is, but they renamed it XPro <laughs> when it was rebranded. And as soon as I saw X Pro, I was like, oh, that, that sounds like something I would have taken in college before I went to the gym. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> hype myself up on creatine. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, you like take 95% C- caffeine. Uh, like, that's exactly what that sounds like. Yeah. X Pro definitely has 300 milligrams of caffeine per <laughs> serving and makes your forehead itch after you take it. <laughs> that's so true. It, oh. Get heart palpitations if you're on it for longer <laughs> than a week. Uh, Another, so this one is not the subscription feature, but one that I, I had fun with when I learned about was um, the view count concept. And uh, so the idea here was to let people know like how many impressions, basically views, their particular tweets got. You know, it makes some sense, right? Like you, you want to reward advertisers and generate interest. And I think that's exactly what Elon was thinking with this one. But I think there were two big drawbacks. One, uh, whatever way they were doing it, resulted in some totally unrealistic numbers where people had tweets with more views, more than like 7 billion views, right? Which is more people than there are on earth. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it was literally impossible numbers, which, you know, I'm sure any every advertiser just rolled their eyes at. But then the other piece was, you know, you talk about how like there were things that were just iconic about Twitter, right? Like the blue check mark, things that just kind of became part of our vernacular. And one thing that the, the view count lessened was the concept of like being ratioed right <laughs> uh which i just always thought was hilarious Love right it. when somebody had millions of replies and like no favorites and you're like, oh that guy got ratioed yeah. and like i think that was like a part of the twitter community that this like view count thing just feels like a bland unnecessary like surface level feature that totally like de-emphasizes this like relatively cool thing you had going with you know, people being ratioed. Yeah, I totally agree. I haven't really seen the the value of it. Like, I guess it's, you know, it'll catch my eye in the sense of like, oh, this, like if I'm just scrolling my For You feed, if I see one that has a bunch of views, I will take a look because it just means it's getting surfaced a lot in the algorithm or something. But that, you know, that would work the same if I was looking at likes or retweet. You know, it's just like, I don't know that we needed another metric. I don't need like a Google ads dashboard under every tweet. That's like, this, this is the performance of the tweet. Like, you know, um, do you think they're counting the views that they get for people like seeing it on the for you page that they make the default? Cause then they're just like manufacturing. Oh, absolutely. Views, right. Like they just throw it in the for you tab. It gets however many logins they get that day. Like, yeah, it's just a nonsense number. Oh, uh-huh. it's a number that, is like self-fulfilling what it's it spirals 100 yeah, percent. it's, uh, it's the redfin estimate of your house effectively <laughs> it's just like Brendan's housing prices that. only go up so yeah. t- tweets only get billions tweets of only views. go up yeah. yeah it's a nice statistic because you know it will always go up yeah yeah uh, i see what they did there elon should consider redfin next <laughs> <laughs> if he's looking at another company 
Uh, I guess the last one is the rebrand. Uh, I don't know. Did you have another feature other than the, the rebrand you wanted to talk about? Well, I, I think they put, so they've been putting some limiters on like number of tweets you can see and the API also now cost prohibitive. I think like both those maybe together separate are, are worth talking about. Um, you know, they limited, I forget, I think it's 6,000 tweets for a subscriber that you could view a day, or maybe it's just a per that anyone can do that. But hey, regardless, they, what, what happens? you just like get, you get, you get to the end of 6,000. Look at me. I'm not looking at 6,000. Another eight bucks has got to go. <laughs> yeah. There's a micro transaction <laughs> option where you can buy more. Uh, I have no idea. I hope to never know. 6,000 tweets is far too many tweets. Yeah. Um, but I can see that being painful. You you get the like, oh, you've reached your 6,000 tweet today and you just sadly delete the app. Yeah, yeah, it should also uninstall itself at the end of the <laughs> <laughs> um, I think they cited like content scraping um, and those type of things. And then similarly with the so that's obviously on like the ui ux side and similarly on the api layer they took away the free api um or drastically reduced i think maybe now it can only post can't even read and then they significantly increased charges for using the api um you're big defender of the free api you're you're against I, it in reddit against it in twitter yeah i mean uh, it's hard because if I put my business hat on, I'm like, we're giving these people an API. That's that's what it is. You're just seeing all of your future startups that are going to be based on these free APIs. <laughs> yeah. you know, Nick's like, ah, I kind of have to pay 150 bucks a month now if I want to start yeah. my X my ex- microservice. It's it's actually X Pro X. But there's like the, the <laughs> there's the you know side of me as a consumer that loves creating an ecosystem where anyone has access to this API. I get to use the best product that someone made like i get to choose on the reddit side um I, i'd always use twitter native app but on the reddit side i used a different uh reddit viewer that i just preferred the layout of and so there's a part of me that's like that's awesome that that's available i feel better about that as a consumer i like that approach more if i putting my x my reddit hat on there are a bunch of people making an app and selling their own ads on it for my content right? Like that's eventually, like I think in the beginning, it makes a lot of sense. You garner a lot of goodwill. You grow because people are developing for your platform. It's free to develop. So people, great, I'll make um, all these features or functions that you don't have right now. And, but, you know, I guess you just get to a certain size and you have to go, you've kind of, you're starting to tap out your um, you know, addressable market and you got to go recapture that revenue that someone else is capturing right now by using your, your APIs, sadly. Um, although I think we're worse for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also for those companies, I mean, like Salesforce, right. Did that allowed free development basically on the platform and led to a ton of, you know, insight about like the new features that they were going to be rolling out and, and implementing and creates this, like effectively like this marketplace, of products that has just made their platform so, so, so sticky, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So 
yeah, there's, there's tons of reasons to do it. I do think, I do think like the charging for the API is one of those, uh, it sounds like a great idea from like a revenue standpoint, but then you just, you're, you are losing so much in the, uh, like best in class experience, uh, uh, and like learning what the best way to make use of your data actually is. Cause you know, you don't have any more people desperately trying to, you know, leverage it. Yeah. And I mean, even anecdotally, like for myself, and I'd mentioned this before about Reddit, I, I generally dislike the native app and I go on it less partially because the decision was upsetting and partially because I like the UI less. So like, I don't, how many, of me's there are, I don't know, but like that's a real cost too, as well. Um, at the other side of this too, I I do I am curious about is what role these large language models have in this. How defensive is this against you know you have Twitters and Reddits that have just these enormous amounts of data that would be just lovely to <laughs> train a large language model on. So I do wonder how much of a defensive play this is for them not wanting to get scraped for those type of um, uh, LLMs. That does make sense, right? If like the future is, and that's not something I thought about, but like if the future is based on, you know, this form of AI where it's uh, conditioned off of data uh, then whoever has the best data is going to be best suited to that. I am skeptical that like the rest of the internet doesn't have enough words to train these language models right. appropriately. But you know, and I, I don't know what a social media platform would like specialize in. Maybe like <laughs> yeah. hate speech. Like <laughs> listen, I don't want insult generator. I like. Oh, it gets dark pretty quick. I think. <laughs> yeah, the uh, we are worse for the AI that was trained on only Twitter. We that is oh. not. That is not without the one you want to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, like I, maybe I get it, but at the same time, like I, I do not want to talk to uh, X GPT. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. A nightmare. Um, uh, all right. Which brings us to, yeah, I was going to say, I think you were just about to say, but that brings us to the branding, the elephant branding. in the room. Yes. So you're a fan Defend the branding. Uh, <laughs> I like that I'm the fan now. <laughs> um, X Pro X. Give us, give us the branding. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to make an attempt at this. Um, I think... So I, um, I, re- I ended up reading a, a little while ago this book. I think it was called The PayPal Mafia, but it was about the founding of PayPal. Elon was very involved in, and then it's obviously well known that he owned X.com prior to that they merged and they kept the paypal name shockingly um back then so i certainly think there's part of this that uh you paid 44 billion dollars you want it to be called the thing that you lost (laughs) decades ago i'm not defending that part um i think he and i think it's noted that he has aspirations for this to be more than what twitter is today right like maybe involving payments and and those type of features that so i think there is an element and you you kind of even said it when you were like um you talking about all this long form content and you're like oh that's not what twitter is and i think that statement's true and 
if I had to guess, that's why he so aggressively rebranded is because he wants, you know, and maybe in his 10, 20 year vision, this is like the it app where you can all the content lives and you can pay your friends on it. And content creators are, it's a serious stream of revenue for them. So they're creating a lot of like, whatever it is, that probably is too hard to disassociate with Twitter. And so he had to stamp it. Now, the name X in particular, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to defend, I don't think. <laughs> I don't have that defense. But that would be a defense for like a rebrand in general is just changing the perception of the platform that's so much tied it, to Twitter and tweets as is. It sounds very similar. I think we talked about this back when the last episode that we did, like that HBO had HBO Max that now just has Max, right? Oh, and like they, they want it to be like a broader set of content than just like the specialized HBO best mm-hmm. in class content. Like they didn't want to dilute that. Yep. And so they came up with Max, which has HBO on it. But like that was to protect a brand. And Elon is committed here to just, as far as I know, just like, tanking twitter like twitter just won't be a thing anymore it'll just be x am i am i saying that right yeah that's my understanding as well although it is a phase rollout for sure because they have not found every place (laughs) that the word twitter is not even close so uh yeah control f twitter and then like replace with x seems like it could have a lot of bad (laughs) unintended consequences so i'm sure i'm sure somebody talked them out of that uh I mean, but, imagine going through the help docs alone. I'm just imagining that poor job of just someone like every instance of the word Twitter, you got to change. <laughs> uh, and like, I mean, again, I, I, it, the thing that's so hard to wrap your head around is like a, a single letter brand too. And one that like is, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't, it does not seem to, for me to like carry any, it just carries nothing. I don't know. It's it's a very weird, by far the weirdest move out of everything I think we've talked about. Yeah, I think to 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 bring it down from like okay, I, I can get behind a rename to the X itself. I agree with you. I think, I mean, the <laughs> it has there's just like there's no SEO behind the letter X. There's like no. It's just yeah. I I think you have immediately in my mind created hurdles for yourself. Um, and it has so many associations, right? Like I saw that 900 other companies have a trademark for like X and their various products. Like those are things that you just have to, you, he's thinking he's going to overcome them, I guess. And like, they're going to be, when I think of X pro, I won't think of the gym. I'm going to think of whatever X pro is that the tweet deck thing. Like that just seems like such a hurdle to, uh, to overcome. Yeah. Yeah, you've also basically signed yourself up for that horrid naming convention of like X Pro. <laughs> You're just going to do that with everything, like X. Oh, he's got to. He's got to be just so mad at Apple and like their ability to put I in front of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, <laughs> now that you say it, there is an element of it's the I everything. Yeah, here maybe. Although X is way worse. <laughs> so, um. So yeah, I don't have a good defense of the name. Uh, as a as an aside, did you see his hilarious um, lighted sign that he uh, illegally put at the top of their building? That's like yes. blinding people across the street. Yeah, yeah outrageous. We haven't really, yeah, we haven't really jumped into the whole like 
him operationally how he's run the company, but that doesn't seem to be going very smoothly. Either. Yeah, I guess this is a product manager podcast, but that seems like it's the wild west in itself. So, yeah. So um, maybe to to wrap it up because I think this will be our episode first. Oh yeah. <laughs> what uh, uh, if you had to make a call? What what is X three to five years from now? Are we are we talking about it anymore? Hmm. Great question. So one thing I did think when he made this purchase and he's obviously you know (laughs) incinerating a lot of the goodwill behind the brand and everything there are very few you can probably name them on two hands user bases and social graphs that are as valuable as what twitter has like the underlying you just bought x daily weekly users and this whole social graph of everyone they know and care about, like that has a ton of value to it. And even if you continue to dilute or kind of ruin some of that image, I think it'll take a lot to like rip that away. Like it is one of five apps on a lot of people's phones that they click on, right? Like, so that behavior is very learned. Elon also has an immense pull in he is always in the news, right? He is, he's getting press. So he just generates a lot of publicity for the thing he is doing. So given those things, do I think it'll be, I don't know that I would say I would bet on it being like, it's hard to know if it'll become bigger than it was like obviously you're you were talking about how it's losing all the brand value and lost all this ad revenue i absolutely think we're still talking about it because i think at minimum it is a vessel that elon musk has to carry out some of his software wishes um so i'll be interested to see i don't know i'm not going to even project what those are but i think whatever he wants to try out in the software space you know, he's already got to see, he has his place to play with rockets. He has his place to play with cars. And I think now this is his place to play with his ideas for software and with a, with a, a crazy distribution built right into it. So yes, it, ultimately I do still think we're talking about it in three to five years for sure. What about you? I, I think we are probably close to the same place. I maybe have a little bit more of a, uh, negative outlook. You know, I think, I think the thing that you mentioned, right. Musk as just a person, right. Like he's got, I think they call themselves the musketeers, right. Like the fans, the people that are just like dedicated to him that view him as the second coming. Mm-hmm. So he's got that as a base of people following him and supporting him. He's also still got the $200 billion that he didn't spend on Twitter that he can use to bankroll this thing yeah. for as long as he, as long as he wants. Um, and so I, I think he probably too much pride, too much ego to like, let this thing fail. They're literally, he's too big to fail like this. He's invested so much in it. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be around. And I think we'll unfortunately probably still know about it in terms of its value as a software. I think that it's probably unrecognizable and, I would also venture to guess like not talked about in like a serious social media platform that people use. Like I think like new generations are going to come in, they're going to have their own TikToks and things like that, that they're going to attach themselves to. 
X is going to be like increasingly weird as like this thing that your parents used and like still look <laughs> at every once in a while that like does the weirdest stuff. Like if it's not already. Um, but I think like it just keeps going down that, that realm. And like, we'll talk about it the way we do uh, what was before Facebook. Uh, wow. See, it's MySpace, but isn't that MySpace. crazy? Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it'll be like, it'll be a MySpace story. Like this was a thing that existed that I, maybe it's still around. I don't know. Like that's, I think I will think about it in three to five years. Wow. That I would say that's a, probably a pretty that's a pretty bold take on average that like it, you, like that's effectively yeah, it's okay. doomed yeah like i think that's a good that's a strong stance i would say i'm i'm not that i'm not that hot but i i, I do think it's unrecognizable i don't think you you will be like oh he bought twitter killed twitter and then made this other thing that does all these all this stuff um and yeah it'll be interested to see if Maybe maybe the move he'll pull Tesla under the X umbrella. We'll be buying X cars <laughs> instead of uh, instead of Teslas. He's just going to bring it all underneath X, and you know that that'll be how he saves the brand. Yeah, yeah. I guess <laughs> selling a Tesla under it would <laughs> would help the brand. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be interesting if like a does an eighteen year old download X. Like, yeah, that's that's hard to that's that's what can do a do a software, you know. So. Well, we did it, Brendan. We filled a, a full episode with just the retro because there's just too much to talk about. The X retro. I'm gonna. Do, do you look forward to the cease and desist we're gonna get from Elon's people? <laughs> we're gonna figure this out somehow. Do you know how excited I would be if that happened? <laughs> <laughs> Elon Musk happens to be one of our a few listeners. <laughs> um, I'm also gonna have a lot of fun coming up with. Uh, episode title for this one i've already my mind's churning right now so um awesome i look forward to it all right well uh thank you brendan a pleasure as always and until next time squat out this is fun take care later 